dig. Welcome to the Things We Dig podcast, where we talk about pop culture and bullshit. On today's episode, this shit got dark, y'all. That's I'll let dope. somebody baby kangaroo me into a squirrel suit. Oh, Bob Brunquist. These yeah. uh, these Jedi here are pretty screwed right now. Slicing and dicing, baby. Hello, hello. Let's rock and roll, my friends. Welcome to another episode of Things We Dig. As always, my name is Chris Fig. I'm here with my good buds. Rock on with Alex. Hey, it's Dave. This is Steve. And this is uh, the one true Chris. So guys, I had saw a Facebook video of Tony Hawk. I think he's in his late 40s or maybe early 50s, but he was attempting to do the 900 again. Took him a couple tries, but he eventually landed. Before a lightning round, I wanted to ask you dudes, who was your favorite character to play with, with the OG Tony Hawk Pro Skater? Dave, who was yours? I'm going to start it off by saying Kareem Campbell was my go-to skater on the game. Casper slide, man. That was a good trick. (laughs) Backflip. What about you, Chris? Who was yours? Uh, Definitely Rodney Mullen, man. Oh. All about that street style. Yeah. The Godfather. He is. Steve? Mm, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, but uh, oh, Bob Brunquist. Bob oh, yeah. Brunquist, man. Yeah. Fan favorite. Al, how about you? It. Um, I don't want to butcher the guy's name. He did the Christ Air. Oh, Rune Giftberg. Oh, yes. Dude. Damn, I don't even remember that as a person on the game. No, that was, that was like that was my second choice. Yeah, he would jump up and then just like straighten out like a cross somehow and then you would just spin and then land a perfect yeah i'd say i played with bob brinquist a lot but also uh andrew reynolds played with him a lot and then yeah like like i was saying with uh kareem campbell and that casper slide so describe a casper slide for the viewers out there that like myself that have no idea a Casper slide is when you do like a board slide on your board, but you're doing it on the grip side. Yeah. Oh, shit. You would do and it on the grip. Like outside the trucks too, right? Yeah. Like long ways or sideways? Most people do it sideways, but I've seen both ways done. I Honorable mention to Chad Muska in the Muscalade. Ooh, mm-hmm. how can we forget Don't about say. Chad Muska, man? Can we yeah, I did it. A, I did please, it. Please give a shout out to Chad Muska and his shoes that had the secret stash for your weed way before mm-hmm. I ever smoked weed. But. <laughs> I kept my gummy bears in my <laughs> Allegedly. It felt hella cool. Uh, I always liked his move where he would bust out the moon box. I think he was doing like a 5-0 grind or something. He'd bust out the moon box. That shit was dope. But. Yeah, it was uh, an officer dick. He was an unlockable <laughs> character. Oh, yeah. yeah, oh, yeah. I that guy. <laughs> Dude, they recently re-released both of them, like HD remaster, and they're, it was, they're fucking awesome. So. Yeah. Chris, you actually had uh, convinced me to get it. You're like, dude, if you don't have this game, get it now. And I think literally I was like, fuck it, I'm going to get it. Played for a good couple hours, but I don't feel like I have the... I guess the video game energy in me anymore. Cause I was like, I'm going to beat it with everyone. It's like after one skater, I'm like, fuck, there's a lot of tasks to do (laughs) (laughs) and the high scores. I'm like, fuck dude, fucking hard. It is challenging. I I feel bad is that I I felt like I was so good at these games, but I used a lot of cheats. I think, especially with Tony Hawk. I think I'm sad to admit it. I was really good at the first Tony Hawk, but that was like before there was a manual. I was great, but Tony Hawk 2 and anything beyond, I suck so bad at, man. 
Did you guys ever play? It was, uh, I believe, for the PlayStation Two or maybe three and the Xbox. But it was Tony Hawk Underground, where you could uh, create your own skater and essentially start from the beginning and try to become pro. Did you guys ever play that game? Oh hell yeah, dude! I played all of them, dude. So that one, besides the first one, well, the first and second one are, are classic. But yeah, the first Underground, one of my favorite Tony Hawk skater games. My cousin bought a one too. It might have been one of the last Tony Hawks, but it came with like an actual board and that was like the controller do you know the one i'm talking about oh yeah 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 i the do board yeah it was like a plastic skate interesting was that controller. was that your cousin kevin yeah i was just gonna say your cousin kevin always had like the top Did all the badass games. badass video games oh yeah speaking of tony hawk and the 900 it just kind of made me think back on when we were kids, I don't know, maybe just because we're older, I don't watch them as much, but the X Games used to be so sick. And I feel like we lived through the era of them really pushing. Uh, they put, Nowadays, the tricks are so insane in and the winner. The extreme sports. But seeing those dudes do some of those tricks for the first time, like I remember watching Tony Hawk. It went after hours. They just kept letting him go and go until he landed the 900. Man. Yeah. And he finally yeah. landed it. And that shit was so crazy. Yeah. I mean, you watch old skate videos of, you know, back in our youth, maybe like the mid 90s to early 2000s. And the skate videos, they're still good, but the tricks aren't as like crazy as even like street skating. Like some of these things they do, you're like, holy shit, man. Like the concentration on these skaters nowadays. Yeah, you watch things like the street league that they have now where it's an actual like series competition that goes around the country and stuff. And the the level of tricks that they're putting up is insane. And the fact that like there's a bunch of women competing in it and stuff too. Like when I was skating as a kid, barely anyone like that was into it. So it's really dope to see. I love it. Yeah. Same goes with the BMX. Cause I was watching a bunch of uh Chris, like you're saying, the they call it the SLS, the skate league, like championships i don't I forget what the s stands for but um so you when you watch a certain <laughs> amount of videos championships yeah well i think it's, maybe it's slc that makes more sense but you'll get a bunch of like different videos to go along with it when i was watching the bm bmx like they jump off that big ass ramp dude some of the tricks they do are insane like yeah. flipping the bike like double backflips and they're like catching the bike and then they're flipping it forward. I'm like, how the hell do these guys? I was even, dude, even, I remember. What's next? I remember back watching, uh, back in the day, I used to really be into just motocross, but like Carrie Hart tried to do like one of the first backflips dude and was launching off of like a dirt, like tabletop and going so high and technically he landed it, but Travis Pastrana doing a double backflip, man. I remember watching that live and being 100% legitimately worried for his yeah. life because he skipped every round of that competition and just did his one trick. And it was a double backflip and he did it so perfectly. It looked like a video game or like a CGI. He just did effect. that. Like that. So but what's next? Like you said, Dave, what's next? Dude, when, I'm sure who's going to bring out the triple back. Who's, when's the triple backflip coming out? I, I'm sure somebody will do it. I, mean, they I might have, honestly. I, I, I honestly think there is a triple backflip now. And it, I, I could be wrong, but I think it's almost everyone does that now, especially like yeah. with BMX. I've seen it. And it's just kind of like, oh, yeah, we do triple backflips now. So isn't that something that's wild, too, though, to, to that point, Fig, is like literally somebody pushes the envelope. And as soon as they do, everybody follows suit. And then yeah. like the sport jumps there to where it's like a regular thing now. But before it was thought of like almost as impossible for a right. while. 
I believe it's human evolution at its finest, man. We like, we are, our brains are like, wait, I can do that? Which means I can do more than that. But and it's like, like will it ever know. truly end to? I can fly? Like <laughs> <laughs> Travis Pastrana can fly. Breaking news. Or even somebody like Alex Hunold, like somebody like that blows my mind. I oh. cannot even wrap my head around that guy's mm, world and how he gets down. I honestly was thinking that in my head. There was this documentary on Netflix. Uh, Steve, you had showed me it. And just how I was going through the different generations of rock climbers and just, you know, free climbers and stuff. And how every age had their, like, their best, like, rock climbers. And how every, you know, new generation was pushing the envelope to the point where, like you are just saying, Dave, you know, he was free climbing. And people were like, what the fuck? You can't free climb that high. And he did it. And you're just like, man, that is just remarkable what he could do. Like, I... Insane. Fathom that. And it's like just thinking of him doing it once is like insane, but he consistently does like insane mountain faces that people haven't even done before, too, because you can't like click in and do it the traditional way. Yeah. Which is really wild. What is it like? I can't remember, but things that take people like a couple days to do can take him like eight hours or something dude something all of them insane. yeah even yeah. the one i think on you know uh, the the free solo or the one he did took longer than i think one day yeah what what is it half dome that he yeah he climbed like i th- i want to say it was like a record where people would even this is insane you know how they would camp out overnight on like the mountain and they'd have their little just hanging from the rocks you know sleeping mm-hmm. i'm like even that is truly <laughs> insane yeah you yeah. won't catch me doing that man fuck that <laughs> <laughs> when do you I would think, love to do you think somebody like alex hunold it just comes a day where he just knows like i can't do this anymore or do you think he'll push the limits in that documentary i believe i watched the same one figs talking about where they go through like the different ages of the the climbers and shit and like a couple of them kind of died on the mountain after it seems like maybe they probably got too old or you never know you, you get too comfortable and make a mistake and not to be grim but he doesn't seem like the type of person that's just gonna hang it up i i see him pushing it until till the end you know yeah doing yeah. something yeah. That the documentary is called a uh, Valley Uprising, which was uh, yeah. Yeah, really awesome. And uh, yeah, a lot of those guys they also transition to other kind of extreme sports, like the uh, that tightrope, the high wire, the whatever slack climb, slack climb, yeah. yeah, yeah, the the wing suits, and a lot of those guys in those documentary died do- doing those. Yeah, that's almost like chasing the dragon in a sense. Yeah, it really is like. Just that. Well, feeling. it sucks that yeah, like the feeling. Like there's there's a part of our brain that feels fear and feels like stimulus, and these people don't get the stimulus we normally get, so they have to go fucking jump off, you know, or free solo half dome. I forget the guy's name. I'll try to look it up after I say this story. But he was he was somebody who did the squirrel suits, and he was um, like suicidal or just heavily depressed. So he's like, I'm not going to kill myself. So I'm just going to start doing things that have a high risk of killing me if something goes wrong. So he started skydiving and then he started doing the squirrel suit. And I don't know if you guys have ever seen the video, but it's the one where they hang the balloons and that's how they can see how close to fly to the ground. And the balloon gets caught under the rocks. And he's the guy who comes flying in, dude. Like, however fast they're going, like 100, I, mean, I assume over 100 miles an hour. I don't know, yeah. 90 plus. And he just slams the rocks. 
And he gets like, his body gets all broken, man. And he ended up surviving and he still does it to this day. But it's like, you know, like some people like Travis Pastrana, even like I've seen countless interviews with him where he's the most nice dude, most polite guy, but in the competition, he will kill anybody. And he's Uh, like a prodigy. And at the same time, that's like a sad story too. I mean, but it's had a good, it had a happy ending at least. I thought thought he was not going to survive that. Have you heard of his like, like um, night terrors and stuff, dude. And like, he's like haunted, man. Like he thinks like speaking to therapists and stuff that it's like suppressed fear and anxieties and stuff because all the crazy shit that he does in real life. But I don't know. It's just wild to think. (laughs) This shit got dark, (laughs) y'all. Sorry, guys. So going back. It it wasn't uh, you. It was all of us. We just curved down to that. Well, I was going to say, going back to a, you know, maybe a lighter note, but those squirrel suits, man, just I want to do it because it looks so much fun. And just it's like you're flying. You're essentially flying, you know, at that point. And these guys are in these most beautiful parts of the world, just gliding over as if they're you know, birds or, you know, like a superhero flying through these amazing areas. But yeah, I mean, something like that, like a lot of, mm-hmm. um, there was another documentary I was watching and these guys, I believe they were German and they were saying people want to do it, but they don't realize like it takes a lot of training and just different, you know, types of acrobatics that they have to like know how to do. Cause so many people would just be like, yeah, I can do it. I, I, you know, I'm adrenaline junkie and then just lose control cause you're going so fast. Yeah. So but it looks fun, man. Maybe, you know, one of these days I might go on something really small <laughs> over water. <laughs> we'll, we'll start. We'll all start. We'll do MMA together and get kind of into that and then I'll slowly somebody, get more hardcore. I'll let goes. somebody baby kangaroo me into a squirrel suit. And I'll yeah, I, I, I would totally do that. Baby king. <laughs> You get like a giant dude to baby kangaroo you. Just be just like that. Uh, be like Gandalf on the Eagles, huh? I would do that. Just strap him <laughs> someone. Hell yeah. It's like if you're really scared, you can just go fully in the pouch. I have an iPod in there and a cooler. <laughs> <laughs> just get in there and chill, bud. Like, hey, man, uh, question. Did you just pee yourself? Yeah, man. I'm just really happy right now. It's here. real warm. <laughs> to, uh, to change it up a bit, um, I know uh, the Bad Batch... I started watching that, that first episode. Uh, have you dudes seen it? And what were your guys' thoughts, if you have? Did see it, and it was fucking awesome. Anything that, uh, spoiler alert, shows behind the scenes of Order 66 is just dealt with me, man. I, I like to see that whole, what was going on with the clones? How did they transition over to not be clones anymore? You know, how did they feel about it? So... I like that whole aspect of it, but they, they dove into that. Yeah. I watched it too. I thought it was sick. Uh, same here. Anything with Order 66 and just seeing any other aspect of it going down is always awesome. But also, newsflash, stop the presses. I stayed awake for the entire hour episode. <laughs> Stop the presses. Oh. Hey, but I, was really, I was really blown away. I know it ties into... Uh, other shows that I'm I'm not caught up on, but I was blown away by the animation and just the storyline too, man. It's a really, I'm going to watch the entire thing. It looks great. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, I watched both the Clone Wars animated series and the Rebels, which they both had tie-ins with the clone troopers and, you know, things that went down with Order 66. But just no matter how many times I see, you know, that goes down, it always breaks my heart, man. Just knowing that there was Jedi spread across the galaxy and just were taken out. I mean, not all of them, obviously, but the vast majority were, you know, the Jedi Order collapsed at that point. Just Hard to see. And um, yeah, I mean, I really was a fan of the Bad Batch, their episodes during the, the Clone Wars animated series. So it was cool to see them come back. And then, you know, Chris, like you were saying, just what happened right after that? Because, you know, you see Revenge of the Sith, you see a glimpse of Order 66. And I always thought in my head, I'm like, how can these clone troopers turn so easily on them? And then, you know, they explain it in the, the Clone Wars animated series. And then they touch it a little bit on it in this first episode of the Bad Batch. And you just think to yourself, like Darth Sidious truly was a fucking Sith master man to get this plan, have it set in motion for years and years to eventually annihilate the Jedi. So, and that's order 66. That is order 66. Yeah. All the clone troopers taking out all the Jedi. So is the bad batch, a group of dudes who didn't follow order 66. I mean, I guess maybe we're, is that a spoiler alert? I don't know. A little bit of a spoiler alert, but basically, you know, but going into this before the show that they're clones that were like further experimented on to like make them either stronger or smarter or better fighters or whatever. And that kind of fucked behavioral chips so that they don't follow orders like they're supposed to. And so that presumably they hinted that's like why they didn't commit Order 66 like mindlessly. All right. They're super fucking confused when it's happening too. (laughs) Yeah. I can't imagine. I couldn't help but think when I was watching it though was just with the uh, Mandalorian that Grogu is alive during this shit, man. Like I wonder if they could ever like cameo him in or something. Grogu's got like, Grogu must have a bigger purpose than we know. Or, yeah. or they're just gonna throw them to the side. I hope, <laughs> I hope they don't do that. I hope there's like a bigger, yeah, a bigger idea behind it. Yeah, I think definitely through like either comics or the show or something, they'll at least mention how he made it out. I think he's become such a fan favorite that there's no way they're not gonna. Knowing the Star Wars universe and Disney, they like to flesh out every character in every way possible to make that case. Um, One thing that reminded me this first episode of The Bad Batch was the Padawan and his his master kind of reminded me of, uh, I think Alex, you and Chris, you guys played Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. And there's a there's a part in that where the main character, Cal Kestis, he was a Padawan himself. But you're talking to the clone troopers because, you know, he was a Padawan during those days. And then all of a sudden they get that order to, you know, execute the Jedi. And you have to elude these, you know, clone troopers who just moments earlier were messing around with you. Be like, hey, bud, like, you know, your, <laughs> your skills are improving. Hustling your hair. Yeah, it's like, hey, yeah, don't use those skills to fucking murder me five minutes from now. Yeah, <laughs> champ. Yeah, when they were talking on the radio, like you see the Jedi and the clones around, you're like, hell yeah, this is sick. Then the clones are talking on the radio and they're like, uh, just for the Bad Batch, spoilers again, but like, <laughs> yeah, it's a, fuck, Obi-Wan's on, on Utapau and he's going to take out General Grievous, war might be over. And you start putting the timeline together in your head, you're like, oh, these, yeah. uh, these Jedi here are pretty screwed right now. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> Um, It was pretty cool, too, how they had Sidious do his speech when he was in front of all of the Senate as well, man. That shit was pretty awesome. 
for what for Bad Batch? Yeah, yeah. it was like word for word reprised, but it was just like yeah. a hologram of his. Yeah, face. you see it from a, other people's point of view watching. Same, it. same voice actor, a different voice actor, probably. It sounded lit from the movie. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say it sounded like Ian McDermott doing it in Revenge of the Sith. They're doing a fucking <laughs> great job of just all this continuity. My balls permanently scarred. <laughs> Why gone? <laughs> no, I'm totally out there. So yeah. to talk about another Disney Plus series, I know Dave and I have been watching the new Mighty Ducks series, and I just wanted to shout out that some of the OG Mighty Ducks made an appearance on this latest episode. What's your thoughts on that, Dave? Was it cool to see everyone? Yeah, I thought it was uh, pretty awesome to see some of the OGs return. I was really hoping for uh, Conway to be there. Maybe a little Goldberg, but, you know, that wasn't the cards. There's some good characters that came back, though. Yeah, I didn't know there was supposed to be an episode. And when Gordon Bombay and his window gets shattered, I'm like, Fulton? And he, but he wasn't playing hockey. He was like a construction worker and some, like a cement thing hit his truck. And I'm like, holy shit, it's Fulton. And then he talks about like, oh, some of the other ducks are going to be at this restaurant. You should join us. And I was like, holy shit, we're going to get some OG Mighty Ducks. So yeah, it was really cool to see them make an appearance in this episode. All right, fellas. So you guys are ready to do uh, another round of two second tunes? Yes, sir. Hell yeah. Let's do it. All right, Al, let's get it started. Two second tunes. You only got a little bit of time, baby. Go. Two second tunes. You only got one, two. It is two second tunes, 90s edition, bringing it back. Ooh. All the way. I dig that. And uh, cartoons, my friends. So we are not entering the realm of music. The in- intros, themes of our favorite 90s cartoons. My. Favorite 90s cartoons, actually. I hope you guys know this. I think I'm going to do about six just because it'll be fun. The more the merrier, man. The more the merrier. Uh, I could do like 15, y'all. It's tough. <laughs> it's <laughs> tough. It's getting a little too large now. So we all cartoon lovers here. I know that. Where were you in the 90s? Were you wearing pampers? It's okay if you were. No judgment. Pull-ups. Pull-ups. There we go. <laughs> I was breaking rules and smoking ciggies. <laughs> All right, ready? <laughs> Two seconds. Not sure how to do it other than just shouting it out. Ready? Rugrats. Rugrats. Ah! Oh, oh Ruski, dude. <laughs> and uh, who was the guy that played the drums? I'm just playing. Tommy Pickles. <laughs> Chucky Finster. Ooh. I, know, I know the composer is uh, Mark Mothersbaugh. Is for that, that I will. For that, I will give you the that you win the game. If so, he deserves <laughs> like he deserves game, a, a game, for that. game over, Steve. The, <laughs> the credits aren't on that YouTube, so. <laughs> but we will say Fig sliced in there before Dave. I think he did. He okay, um, slicing and dicing, baby. <laughs> one for Fig. We're gonna go back and uh, next pod. If Steve got the composer, then two points for that. If this wasn't one of your favorite cartoon shows in the 90s, then we might not have been friends. Here we go. Damn you! Oh! <laughs> He's like one second ahead of me right now. Hop on the magic school bus. I love that show. 
Magic School Bus. I I still show it to my kids in second grade. I hope you show them the live action Magic School Bus. Who would play Miss Frizzle? Hmm. Um, um, I'm gonna say Johansson. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, Miss like Frizzle. That bus I want to be riding on. You know? Sexy Frizz. <laughs> go Emma Stone. Oh, oh, Emma Stone. oh that, that's, that's a good okay. one. That's probably better. Better choice. Really. I was like thinking. I was thinking uh, Emily Blunt. She just did Mary Poppins. Mm, all good. Yeah, but Emma What's Stone go? probably would be the best choice. <laughs> I was Emma thinking Stone. for whatever reason the first actress that popped in my mind was Lisa Kudrow. <laughs> Quirky enough. But then I thought yeah, old school like um, Bette Midler. Okay. Maybe not nowadays. Oh, yeah. I don't know what she's looking like nowadays. I'm going to go be a little too old. So, yeah. I'm going to go uh, new, new age and say Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, that was Fig again. All right. Bringing it back. Think back. 90s. Early 90s, middle 90s. Ready, go. Hey, Arnold. Damn, son. God damn. You watched too many cartoons. Can't even fucking. That one was quick. Dude, I am currently re-watching Hey, Arnold. <laughs> I'm in like the, I didn't even know they had this many seasons, but I'm in like the ninth season of Hey, Arnold. <laughs> Shut up. Really? Yeah. Dude, the soundtrack, I don't know if we've talked about it, but dude, the fucking soundtrack or the people that play for this show, it's banging. Just oh, jamming yeah. oh, and yeah, just man. like I also thought that and Doug. Remember Doug the check out Doug. Oh yeah, completely. All right, don't bring up past fucking cartoons right now, guys. Like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> trying to play a game. We're trying to play a game right now, guys. Anyways, round four. Who got that one? Fig Fig's smashing. Fig's cleaning house. Somebody's muting our mics or something. <laughs> Ready? Doug! <laughs> yeah. Damn it. Thank Ironically, God. that it was the next one. The very next one. I didn't choose it to be. It just happened to be that one. Fresh in, <laughs> It was fresh in Dave's brain. It should have been fresh in my brain, too. But yeah, I tried to pick the trick. That was the part where Roger comes out. Dude, I always like, wanted a dog like Porkchop. This is the Dave and Fig show, man. It's all right. You guys are smashing. <laughs> Love it. Um, we're going to make it a little hard for the next two ones. Maybe not at all. Two seconds. Who's going to guess the tune? Animaniacs? Oh, Wait, do it again. I it again. almost picked Animaniacs, but that was not Animaniacs. <laughs> I'm kind of happy no one knows what it is. Kablam. Kablam. Oh, oh fig. That time. Dude, that was a good one. We talked about Kablam a lot, too. It's pretty obscure, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I fucking love that show. Oh, yeah. It was fucking, it was really good. So, was fig, crazy. fig, 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 fig. This last one, it's it. This is the last one. There was only one season, and I loved it for some reason. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Goof Troop. It was Goof Troop. Goof Troop. I think well, we tied To find out that show only had one season. Two seasons, maybe. Goof Troop was really Yeah. <laughs> I want to do one more. Is you that okay? This is one that I wasn't going to do, but I thought... This was old, early 90s. Okay. But you know, like South Park, uh, Futurama, um, 90s, all 90s. Here we go. Listen. 
Oh, Ren and Stimpy? Damn it, son. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That was big all day. Yeah. I can't. Runner ups. Dude, Johnny Bravo, uh, Dexter's Laboratory, Tailspin. Not Tailspin, sorry. Tailspin's great. No, he's Tailspin's. Might have been Tailspin. Dude, I was a huge fan and still am of the intro song for. DuckTales. Oh, yeah. DuckTales. I think that came out uh, 80s, like 89. Oh, okay. I was going to play that, but it doesn't matter. Also, Muppet Babies had a... Muppet Babies. Muppet Babies, dude. Is that the 90s? I want to say that was the 80s as well. Dude, I love... Yeah, that probably definitely was. Disney Frog here. Nick Jr. Disney was... It might have been Nick, Nick Jr. You oh, never Nick saw Jr. The, I think it might have even been on before Nick Jr. was a thing, too. Like, when we yeah. Little... Well, Fig, congratulations, man. We'll go back and fact check. Steve, what was that guy you said, man? Mark Mothersbaugh. He was the uh, composer of uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox as well. Oh. Well, you heard it, folks. Steve won, y'all. Ding, ding, <laughs> ding. Just <laughs> <laughs> But uh, good job, everybody. That was Two Second Tunes, 90s cartoon edition. Dude, that was, uh, that was a lot of fun. It was man. a good one. Enjoyed that. <laughs> and that ends Two Second Tunes. Woo-woo. All righty, fellas. So we're going to uh, change things up a little bit. Alex uh, had visited me this past weekend. I live in a city right outside of Los Angeles. Al, uh, do you want to go in and just talk about some of the places we took you and some of the things you saw? Yeah, it was a great time. I know many of us are familiar with California, but we tend to stay away from LA. And we got to check out a bunch of really cool stuff, but... Really what I thought was awesome was just driving by those movie scenes, like the trolley car that goes up that was in 500 Days of Summer or going to the um, couple of the different murder houses or just seeing different neighborhoods that they might film. I feel like every other neighborhood we drove down, I imagined just one of those shows filming the front of a, of a house. Um, you name it. I don't know. I thought like Malcolm in the Middle. But uh, or we went to that what was it El Coyote, the restaurant that Sharon Tate was at, that she was her last meal before she was murdered, um, unfortunately. But I know that that restaurant has so much more history than actually just Sharon Tate. And it's been in quite a few movies, but we didn't I didn't get to do the tours. I really wanted to do the tour where you drive around and you see the vans. And every time I did think, oh, we'll see somebody famous, just seeing the the, the cement handprints and the feet. And the first thing we did when we walked up, it was R2D2, C3PO and Vader. <laughs> and Vader's got some tiny feet, man. No judgment. <laughs> but, um, no judgment here. He wasn't uh, packing that big of a lightsaber. As <laughs> but you know who we did also see in front of the, the Chinese theater was our boy Nick Cage. Yeah, yay. And then we also saw Eddie Murphy, too. And uh, his feet were extremely tiny as well. I don't know if that was like a, <laughs> like a joke. Like he had like his little son there with him. He's like... Yeah. <laughs> All right, fellas. Um, so do you guys want to roll into a one has to go segment? I have a good one for us. So we were talking about the Al Coyote restaurant, <laughs> which we were talking about Sharon Tate, you know, unfortunately was 
the last place she ate at before her untimely death. So they show that in the Tarantino movie. So it had me thinking, um, similar to what we did last week, name off our favorite Tarantino movies. And for this round of One Has to Go, we'll vote one off. You guys down for that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. So favorite Tarantino movie, Chris, do you want to go first? Ooh, I think I might have to take it old school and go Reservoir Dogs, man. It's what pulled me into his directing and I could still watch it to this day and fucking love it. Yeah, Reservoir Dogs is is great. I love that opening scene of just them talking at breakfast, man, and just like the, the pan of everyone. I think I was late to the, the Tarantino game, but Kill Bill for sure. So I forget her name in the movie, but Lucy Liu's character was so badass, man, in the snow. Yeah. Dude, that her side chick was badass. Yeah. She fought the crazy 88s right before that, man. Oh, yeah. That scene, too. Steve, how about you? I'd have to go probably one of the ones that put him on the map, uh, Pulp Fiction. Great movie. English, motherfucker, do you speak it? Mmm, <laughs> <laughs> this is a taste. What do you say? Mmm, this is a tasty hamburger. <laughs> Cheeseburger. What, what's he call it? A, uh, a Le Royale? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. A Royale with cheese. A Royale with cheese. <laughs> How about you, Dave? Favorite Tarantino movie? I was going to say Inglorious Bastards. Obviously, you know, Great. from beginning to end, it has you on the edge of your seat, I feel like. Oh, yeah. That movie gave me slight anxiety, especially in the opening with Christoph Waltz, and he's interviewing the guy oh, who's man. harboring the... Uh, Christoph Waltz is so amazing in that movie, man. That scene, too, when they're in the bar and it's all those young soldiers in there, too, celebrating. Oh, uh, he does, like, the three. Yeah, and he gives up his... Michael Fassbender gives up his who he is by the wrong hand signal. It's just wild, man. That whole, that, scene, that, yeah. that whole scene is intense. The opening scene, dude. Oh, yeah, the opening scene, too, just as easily, just as intense. So I was going to say Inglorious Bastards, but Davey took that. So, <laughs> oh, man. Hateful eight then, huh? I will then say Django Unchained. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nice. Great. Nice. Another Christoph Waltz. Great uh, performance by him from that movie. Inglorious Bastards was my choice at first, but then Kill Bill was like, okay. Kill but Bill. All of them are so classic. Reservoir, I think, is what put them on the map. Oh, yeah. Pulp, or Pulp Fiction just solidified it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Completely. And I would say for Django Unchained, that's probably also to one of my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio performances. And he's the bad guy. Too. <laughs> I'm sure you guys have seen, too, just the behind the scenes where he really indeed cut himself. Yeah. And just kept rolling with it, dude. And used he's interrogating Kristoff uh, Waltz and, and Jamie Foxx. And he's like, don't lie to me or something like that. And he mm -hmm. cuts his hand and then he rubs his actual blood on um, that actress. Carrie Washington's face. Carrie Washington, yeah. yeah. Totally unscripted. Leo just being a badass. And to us, you know, we're like, oh, wow. Like when you see it and you're like, great scene. But when you find that out, you're like, dang, like not only Leo keeping his cool, but every other actor too, like remaining in character and not being right. like, holy shit, yeah. man, are you okay? Like... You it's always cool. refer to him as Leonardo, bro. I know. I almost <laughs> said Leonardo. <laughs> but it makes me instantly think of the Ninja Turtle. All right. So we all said our favorite Tarantino movies. If you guys had to get rid of one, what would you guys say? It's hard. None. 
<laughs> we all just think we will get rid of none of these movies. Can that we pull I would out say and pull out a the card world. and say none. If I had to literally pick one out of all of these, oh my gosh, I guess it would be, I was going to say Kill Bill. Yeah, I, 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 I might have to also go Kill Bill on this one, no. but I love it. I love it, but I have to kill it. I hate to say it, but uh, Kill Bill. Okay. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. We are killing Bill. Bill. I was going to say Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs. For well, me. you obviously can't say it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say a lot of shit on this pod. <laughs> but I, I would uh, say that's the one I probably, I, great movie. I, I love it, but probably one I, I watched just maybe the least. I mean, the rest, like I said, all of these are such fantastic movies. Hate to get rid of any of them, but. It's part of the game. But one's got to go. Gotta <laughs> go. Unfortunately, I haven't seen Reservoir Dogs enough to really get the full appreciation. So, wow. jumping on fix back here. Thankfully, your guys' terrible choices were outvoted by it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say the damn title. <laughs> Just call it Resi Dogs. Resi Dogs. Resi Dogs, baby. All right, you guys want to do favorite Leonardo DiCaprio movies? Okay. I'm going to go I'm first gonna, this time. Please. Because I don't want mine taken. But I'm going to say Departed. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you guys were going to pick that one. Steve, what do you think, bud? Did I take yours, Steve? Yeah, definitely did. Give me. Oh, give me. I'm gonna come in and say, don't do it. Inception. <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go with probably The Wolf of Wall Street. I think it's oh, just fucking. Oh, great flicks, guys! Way to start it off with a bang. Goddamn. Okay. Dude, Leo has not made one bad movie, man. Uh, man, mine all are getting taken. I don't. You were going to say oh, Romeo oh, and Juliet. Uh, what a classic, man. I really used to love. I mean, I still do, but I used to really enjoy it. Like, Catch Me If You Can. Ooh, nice. that would be that would have been my second one after Departed. You guys all lost. Go back. What's eating Gilbert Grape, y'all? <laughs> if you haven't seen that movie. That is a good movie. It is. That is his best performance. And it was um, beautiful, dude. Well, I hate to be an immediate asshole, but I'm going to have to go with uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape. <laughs> <laughs> Blasphemy, bro. I don't think it's on the level of the other Leo movies. It is great, though. And but Johnny I also Depp's have in to... It. I also have to go with what's eating Gilbert's ass. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? What's eating Gilbert Grape, y'all? We've all seen it at least. Everybody's seen it. Yeah, it's oh, a yeah. great movie, but all right. I mean, fantastic I performance. Yeah, if I had but... to get rid of one, I'll get rid of also what's eating Gilbert Grape because you guys all chose great movies. Gilbert. <laughs> yeah, that probably was his best performance, his actual best acting. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> but you know we're not the academy so it's gotta go <laughs> <laughs> all right fellas so i have another one for a one has to go let's do our favorite directors steve want to uh, go first yeah i'll take it uh kind of obvious but uh this guy he knows his stuff i'm gonna go martin scorsese Beautiful. very nice all right um i'm gonna say steven spielberg another classic one a lot of good movies of our childhood. Chris, what you rocking with? I'm going to have to go with my uh, my boy, another Chris, Mr. Christopher Nolan. Oh, you rap bastard. <laughs> He's good. He's great. I was, I was going to say that. I would say, I was going to say Stanley Kubrick, but I'm, I'm reverting to George Lucas. Oh. Ooh. 
Fight me on it. Yeah, mm-hmm. we're about to. American Graffiti. <laughs> y'all know, y'all know him from his uh, classic movie, American Graffiti, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> he did a few other space operas, you know, after that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd say for me, like That's I said, I was going to say uh, Christopher Nolan, but I'd say for a a large collective of movies that I've always enjoyed. I'll say Wes Anderson Ooh, myself. Yeah. That was my second oh, choice. Yeah. Good. All right, fellas. You know, we hate to do it, but if we had to get rid of one, what would you guys choose? Um, as much as I love Star Wars, as far as directing goes, I'm going to have to say my boy Luke. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to Lucas as well. Uh, separate the property from the director. It doesn't quite hold up. Um, I'm going to say probably Christopher Nolan, dude. It's just movies don't hold any weight for me. I just don't get them. I don't, I don't get it. You know, (laughs) I don't get it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I have to probably as much as I love Star Wars. When you compare them to the other people on the chopping block, I'd probably say George Lucas. Well, if you have to look at the, the longevity or the, the amount of movies being made. Yes. George Lucas is the best. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Jorge Lucas. I'd have to say it myself. All right. All right, fellas. Another great episode talking with you dudes. This has been Things We Dig. Keep on digging, brothers. Hate to see you leave, but I love to watch that ass as you walk away. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, you broke up right when you said something. You said cool. All right, fellas. Bye, guys. Later. See you, see you next time. Cool. Late. Later. Later.